today, so we called in the big guns. <laughs> so while we're waiting for the big guns to get here, I'm going to talk. <laughs> I got a couple. I got a lot, actually, I got some stuff to share with you um, out of 1 Corinthians 15. But I want to pray first, and then I have a word. Now, Jared was talking about spiritual gifts. And um, I have a word that uh, I got Wednesday night at uh, prayer night, and I'm going to share it with you because I'm going to go out on a limb. He said, you know, we'll roll the dice and we'll do some things, and I said, let's, let's do it, you know. So I'm going to be the first, I'll be the first guinea pig. I don't care. Let's see what happens. So, Father, we thank you for this time. We know, Holy Spirit, that you're here. We feel your presence. We thank you so much. We pray, Lord, that you would just speak uh, this morning, that we would get something out of your word that would just change our lives, that would transform us that would just uh, set us on a new trajectory even, Lord, that something would be broken off us today that uh, maybe had a place that it didn't deserve to have. And we thank you, Lord, that you have plans for our lives and that you have plans for even our families' lives and the next generation after that. And we say yes and amen to what you're doing, and we ask you to just come and speak to us now in Jesus' name. So <clears throat> the word I got was on uh, disrespect. I could almost see like a, like a fungus or like a dark spot on somebody's heart, you know, like a, uh, like a wound maybe that has happened when, um, when you were younger or, or maybe even recently. I don't know what it was, but it was like a, an attachment. Satan had attached himself um, to your heart. Now, we know in Christ our hearts are free, so there's no attachments. It's just an imagination, but because of that imagination, we built up a wall around that thing, and so how you can tell it's you, and I know it definitely applies to me, so I'm taking this word for myself too, but I know there's others that need this. How you can tell it's you is that you get um, offended easily. And, and I know we all get offended, but we really shouldn't get offended. So it, but it's more like in a, in a disrespect kind of manner. Like we're, we feel like we're being disrespected. Even if we're not being disrespected, we feel the disrespect, and boom, we're off. So that thing, um, I'm going to pray over that because I, I can see it's resonating with some people. Um, that thing is a lie, and it doesn't belong on your heart. Matter of fact, it's not, even, it's not even on your heart. It's just an imagination that's there. Does that make sense? So it's not part of who you are in Christ. It's, it's an attachment that's trying to um, control your, your life. So I'm just going to pray that the, the Holy Spirit just help us to just ignore that thing forever. All right? So uh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just go into that darkness, Lord, into that place that we've allowed to happen in our lives and that you would just slam the door shut on that once and for all, Lord, that we're no longer people who are easily offended and that uh, we feel respected because of our identity in you and that no disrespect can harm us or hurt us or attach itself to us in any way. And we proclaim our freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. All right? That's it, man. Sometimes you got to go out on a limb. Uh, so we got, we're going to... Uh, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 15. Steve, can you put that screen up? The first, the back to basics screen? This is back to basics. Um, Paul wrote this book to the Corinthians. The Corinthians were pretty much a really jacked up church. They had uh, all the things in their culture had worked their way into their church, and they started believing. Uh, what's that noise? They started believing. <laughs> I thought that was me. I was like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. So, so what, what was happening was um, uh, the Corinthians had written a letter to Paul. Paul was addressing through the, through the last uh, 
13, 14 chapters, he was addressing the questions. Now, we don't have the questions. We don't have the, the letter that the Corinthians wrote to Paul. We just have his responses. So sometimes the responses don't really make sense to us a whole lot. And people put uh, projections in and, and they do, um, you know, they try to figure out what he's really saying. And somebody has their opinion, but it might necessarily not be what the text says. Now, last, last week, Jared tackled one of the, the toughest ones with which uh, with, he didn't allow, uh, Paul was saying, I don't, I don't allow women to speak in church. Now, we all know that Jesus died for women just as much as he died for men. So there's no kind of, there's no two platforms. There's not the guys are over here and the girls are over here. It's not like that. Everybody is even, 100% even. That's the way it is. He died for everybody. Every soul is the same to God. So the Corinthians had some messed up stuff going on in their um, culture, and they had brought it into the church. And Paul was just addressing some of that stuff. So Paul in chapter 15, he goes, I want to go back to, back to the basics. So... So we're going to go back to the basics too this morning. What is this? It's the Word of God, right. It's my Bible, right? Who is, who is this book? This is Jesus, right? Jesus said he's the Word come flesh. So this is Jesus. Who is in the book? We are. Jesus is. The whole world is. Actually, it's like the manual, the comprehensive manual for everything that's ever happened from creation till now. I know it's going to happen after this part of, of this age that we're in right now. Um, what's, what's really interesting to me, I'm kind of, maybe I'm just selfish or self-centered, but I'm like, I like to see who I am in here. <laughs> you know, I want to know what I can do. I want to know who I am. And I think that's the part that I, that I really need to, to learn, especially now that um, I need to know my value. I need to know who I am in Christ. And, and when I know that stuff and when I'm solid in my identity, all the stuff that we know that's right and all the things that we know that to do that are, that are the right things start to come out kind of automatically. Does that make sense? So I, I may know what to do is right, and I could follow after that and work hard for that, but that's like religion, right? If I'm just chasing after that in the flesh, I could probably do it for maybe a couple weeks, two, three weeks, but then I get kind of tired of it. I get a little further away from the Word. As I start getting further away from the Word and further away from my identity, I start not connecting with it anymore. So now I'm doing really good, now all of a sudden I just, boom, I fall down. So if, if we're staying in the word, if we're staying in our identity, then we can, we can have that resurrection life come through us and we can live on the spiritual side of life, on, the, on that new creation side that's inside of us. So having, having said that, then I can do what the Bible says I can do. The Bible says in Mark chapter 16, verse 17 and 18, it says I can cast out devils. It says I can drink deadly poison. It says I can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover amongst other things. But it says those things. So what's the requirement for doing those things? The requirement is just belief. It says those who believe, these signs will follow. That's it. So we believe in this finished work, and then we walk in it. It's kind of simple, right? Because if it wasn't simple, we'd probably really mess it up. <laughs> and we do anyways, because we get religious. We get stuck in that religion. And that's what was going on in Corinth, and Paul's addressing that. Now, Paul is an expert on being religious. He grew up religion, around religion. He was uh, a Pharisee. He excelled at that. And he did a great job of, of beating up Christians for a long time. So let's start in, uh, in verse 1. It says, uh, now brothers, I'm reading the NIV version just for, for anybody to follow along. It says, now brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. And I just find that, I find that fascinating that uh, Paul goes right back to that and he says, hey, you remember what I told you? 
You get in by grace, and you stay in grace, and you stand on grace. That's the place where you get to take your stand. Faith is, a, is, a, faith is going to ter- determine my actions. What I believe is really going to determine who I am and what I do. Like, if I didn't believe that this chair could hold my weight, I wouldn't stand on it. But I have a belief system inside of me, and maybe it's just based on facts or whatever, but I know that this chair can hold me, and so far it is. <laughs> Sorry about that. Hey, it's better than catching the fan like I did last time. I wasn't going to mention that, but um, anyways. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, we have belief in even driving your car. You t- start your car up, and you, and you drive it, and sometimes your car doesn't start. But so for the people who have cars that start, you turn the key, and, you know, jump in and we already have planned in our minds that we're going to work. You know, we're, we're going wherever we're going in the morning, and the car starts up. And we don't think about it unless it doesn't start up, you know. So we have a, a, there's faith all over the place. There's belief all over the place, and it, and it really does something in our lives. And Paul's just trying to go back to basics because, uh, you, you know, he was, just a, he was a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal, right? He was religion, and he doesn't want to see that happen to anybody else. He doesn't want people to get stuck in uh, either the wrong interpretation of Scripture and lead other people astray. He doesn't want people to get stuck in sin and then just live their lives like that. He wants to see people free like he got freed up. So, um, so yeah, so faith will determine my actions. Verse 2 says, uh, By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. And uh, the gospel is so good. It's good news, right? It's so freeing. When you really get a hold of that, the truth that we're free in Christ, that we don't have any more... Um, division between us and God that we can have a direct line of contact because of what Jesus has done for us. It's so freeing. That word saved there is uh, sozo in the Greek. S-O-Z-O. That word means um, to save, to keep safe and sound, to rescue from danger, to make well, to heal, to restore to health. And that's so good. That's good news. It's all there already. All of that stuff has already happened. All our health is in the is in the gospel. All our wealth is in the gospel. All of our things that we need for life is in the gospel. All the love that we need to pour on our family and friends and coworkers is all there already. We just need to believe it, basically, and it's it's going to come pouring out of us. And then he says, uh, "Otherwise, you have believed in vain." And he's um, that word "vain" there uh, it means um, without success. So, you know, you, get, you can live your Christian life and, and really not be successful at it. You may never overcome things that are in your life or things that you may think are in your life, like that attachment that I talked about earlier. You may not ever overcome that if you're just believing in vain, if you just, uh, you know, you take some of the gospel but not all of the gospel, or maybe we're just taking Jesus and applying him to our lives so that we can have a better life rather than letting him become life in us. Does that make sense? So one of my favorite pastors uh, that I listen to online, he says, uh, he said, Jesus didn't die just to give it, get us into heaven, but he died to get heaven into us. You know, and that, that's huge. If you think about that for a minute, that heaven resides in us, that Holy Spirit resides in us, that he's already done that new creation work inside of us. We just need to learn how to live out of that side of our heart and believe that that work is finished and completed. And then uh, let's go to verse 3 where Paul says, um, For what I received, I passed on to you 
as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Um, let's go to, um, we're going to go to Acts 9 and we'll read a story about uh, Paul. You got, a, you got a slide for that, right, Steve? Steve's got it up there. If you don't want to turn to it, you don't have to. Uh, but let's read it. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats. Now, Saul is Paul, right? Everybody knows that. I think you guys all know that stuff. So Saul is Paul. He said, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that he, if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground, and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul says, Who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he had opened his eyes, he could see nothing, so they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days, he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. And, uh, I'm going to stop right there because I keep going. This is a great story. If you want, uh, you have time to read it during the week. Um, basically, the Lord says to this guy, Ananias, he says, go tell Paul uh, that he's, my, he's going to be my witness to, to people and he's going to spread the gospel. And Ananias says, hey, uh, Lord, that's the guy that's killing people. <laughs> he's like, that, Lord, let me tell you who this guy is. You know, we're always, aren't we trying to do that to God all the time? Well, God, let me really tell you about my problem, God. My problem is way bigger than you think it is. Let me, let me explain this problem to you. You know, you don't really get it, Lord. The mortgage really is due on the first of the month. It really is. You know, <laughs> he doesn't understand. So we spent a lot of time trying to tell him how our problems are. And and, uh, and the Lord just said to Ananias, go, go and do it. Talk to him and, and help him. And he did. And he, uh, Paul received healing and, and Paul became a disciple. So Paul was saying that what I received, so what he received in that was, was really that what happened was the love of God had knocked him off his horse, right? really the mercy and the grace of God that came and knocked him down and, and set him on the right path. Says he was going to hell. He was going the wrong way. He was he was going to die in his sins. He had no idea who Jesus was, but he was yet he was persecuting him. And then as soon as Jesus shows up to him, everything changes. That's awesome. That's a good word right there. So Paul said uh, there was a, basically Paul breaks the gospel down to two points. He says Christ died according to the scriptures. And he was raised from the dead according to the scriptures. Now, when Paul was talking to the Corinthians, um, he didn't have his letter to the Corinthians. You know, he didn't have uh, the book of Revelation. He, he had the gospels, so to speak, that he had them in eyewitness testimony. But he didn't have the word written down for him that he could refer to and say, oh, yeah, this is in Mark. Or this is, you know, he couldn't really do that. So when he's talking about scriptures here to prove that Jesus is who he says he is, he's talking about Old Testament scriptures. So I, wanted, I looked up a couple of them for you, and I wanted to share them with you. Um, we were gonna, we're going to go to, uh, actually, you don't, you don't turn there. I'll go there. Um, oh, let me share this part first. This is really cool. I love this thing. Uh, there's over 300 Messianic prophecy. And there was a group of a guy, this guy named Peter Stoner, it's a professor, a math professor. And he, what he did was he tried to uh, figure out the probability of somebody fulfilling all those prophecies. Have we talked about this before? I think I gave this to you one other time. But 
they went through, like uh, Jesus was born in a certain town, he was born in a certain family, he was born at a certain time, he was going to die a certain way, and all this stuff was prophesied before he, before he did it. So it was all laid out in the scriptures before then. Thousands of years before they even had crucifixion, people were talking about crucifixion in the, in the Bible, but David was talking about it in Psalm 22. He talked about crucifixion and how, how it would feel and, and all of that stuff. So... <clears throat> So what he did was he calculated, uh, now this is a big number, it's 10 to the 17th power. is like, the, you know, your odds of actually fulfilling all these prophecies. That's like more people than are, have ever been born. That's a big, I don't even know what that number is, 17 zeros. It's huge. But what he did to try and break it down for us was he said, if you could fulfill eight of those prophecies, it would be 10 to the 17th power. It would be like filling the state of Texas to two feet deep with silver dollars, right? Two feet. So two feet all of Texas with silver dollars. If I put an X on one of them, threw it in there somehow, mixed them all up, and I blindfolded Eric, and I said, okay, Eric, you go into Texas and pick up that, dollar, that half dollar. And if he could do it on the first shot, that's the odds. That's crazy. That's amazing. That's the kind of God we serve. That's the, it, this, it's, not like a, it's not a chance thing with him. He does everything for a purpose. We're all sitting here this morning hearing his word for purpose. We could be out doing other stuff, but we're here because we're in love. We, found, we fell in love with a real God, and he wants to show us more about himself. Uh, and then Jesus himself on the cross, uh, he starts quoting Psalm 22. Uh, we'll go back there. I had a song stuck in my head on Friday. Uh, I don't know. It's just so random. It's uh, an old DC Talk song called uh, Love is a Verb. <laughs> Has anybody ever heard that song before? It's a great song. I highly recommend it. But I had it stuck in my head Friday and Saturday, and I'm like, man, Psalm 22. So have you ever had a song stuck in your head before? Like if I was to, if I was to actually be bold enough to sing a song, could you guys finish it for me? <laughs> After only a couple words? All right, I don't know any new songs. I actually started looking up songs for like 1990 and 2000. I don't know any new songs at all. So all I got is oldies, all right? If I start singing a song, will you promise to finish it? Don't leave me hanging. <laughs> come on, we're small, but we're strong. It's CC Noggy. Come on. All right. Come on, I got to get a sip of water. All right, you ready? Here we go. Sweet home. That's right. <laughs> That's a good one. How about, uh, how about um, lean on me? Guys are good. You guys are real good at this. Ninety-nine bottles of. Oh, uh, well, who said that? That was Lori, for the folks at home. That was a trick. We we're just trying to see who needed prayer. I'm setting you up. <laughs> but there's other songs that are that are that burn on us too. You ever wake up in the morning uh, just singing a worship song, just filled with the spirit, just like ah, oh, this is gonna be a good day. Um, how about this one? How about um, Holy Spirit? Yes, yes, he is. Come, Holy Spirit. Yes. How about uh, open the eyes of Yeah, that's good. You guys are good. I'm impressed, very impressed. All right, so Psalm 22. Jesus Christ has been flogged, beaten, the flesh ripped off of him, marred more than any other man. You're not going to recognize him. If you knew him before, you don't know him now. He's, he's wasted. They pulled his beard out. They beat him. 
they did. And he let it happen for us. Because he knew that he couldn't get that new creation work inside of us unless he went through what he went through. <laughs> he's amazing. So he's up on the cross and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's, he's singing a song. He's up there singing Psalm 22. All the Jewish people would have known, even the Pharisees would have known that song. Just like we knew Sweet Home Alabama, and just like we knew to open eyes of my heart. And 99 bottles of beer and I'm all for Lord. <laughs> no, it wasn't just Lori. That's not fair. There's a whole bunch of you. I know who you are, too. <laughs> but, you know, he's up there, and he's, and he's singing that song, so they'll understand in the scriptures, hey, this was supposed to happen. This is what's happening right now. This was supposed to happen. You know, Jesus doesn't want us walking around feeling sorry for him. That's not part of who we are. What we do is we accept what he's done for us, and then we walk in the freedom of that. That's what he wants. If you want to bless him, you want to bring glory to his name, do that. That's it. It's simple, right? It's so good. So I'm going to read a little bit of Psalm 22. Um, he said, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry out uh, day by day, but you do not answer me night by night, but am not silent. Um, yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. So he gets two verses of like almost complaining, and then he jumps right into praising him. He says, you, yet you are enthroned as the Holy One, and you are, you are the praise of Israel. In you our fathers put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. They cried, and you, and you were saved, and they were saved. And you they trusted and were not disappointed. And he says, but I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. And uh, I really wanted to share this, this little uh, detail of the worm in verse 6. This is, uh, I couldn't get my computer to print, so I brought it to Staples. Look how big they made the printing. Can you guys read that from way over there? It's like font 24 or something. It's ridiculous. I'm like, okay, thank you. You know, I, I did it. Somehow I did it. I don't know how I did it. Um, but that worm in verse 6 is tola. Uh, and it's a particular kind of worm. It's the worm that they would get... Um, it made like a red dye on trees, and they would take that, that like silkiness or whatever the, the cocoon is made out of, and they would use that as a clothing dye. So the scarlet threads for the temple and, and the scarlet threads for the uh, Pharisees' uh, cloths and stuff were all made out of that, that scarlet, uh, that red. So um, the, this is just a little information on that. It says, when the, when the female of the scarlet worm species was ready to give birth to her young, she would attach her body to the trunk of a tree, fixing herself so firmly and permanently that she would never leave again. The eggs deposited beneath her body were thus protected until the larvae were hatched and able to enter their own life cycle. As the mother died, the crimson fluid stained her body and the surrounding wood. From the dead bodies of such female scarlet worms, the commercial scarlet dyes of antiquity were extracted. What a picture this gives of Christ, dying on the tree, shedding his precious blood that he might bring many sons unto glory. Is that cool? That is so cool. He, he died for us that we might live through him. Psalm 22, 6 describes such a worm, and it gives us this picture of Christ. Isn't that good? So good. I love that. I get goosebumps when I start reading stuff like that. It's like, man, this is so cool. So Jesus did this. All of this stuff is like he's so purposeful in it. I think it's really interesting, too, that we're reading about, uh, we just had finished reading about women not being able to speak in church, and then Jesus uses a female worm to describe you know, what's going on on the cross and that the tree is stained with his blood and I mean he's saying there's freedom for everyone that's so good that's so good 
Uh, it goes on a little further to uh, in, in Psalm 22. Um, if you go down to uh, verse, verse 12, many bulls around me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions tearing at their prey. Um, he says, I'm poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is turned to wax, it's melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the, in the dust of death. And, uh, oh, and a little further on, he says, um, they have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. What? David wrote that a thousand years before, before that happened. That's nuts. What a description. And so Jesus is up on a cross and he starts singing Sweet Home Alabama Jewish style. And that's what people are, are, are hearing. Or that's what the picture that they're seeing in their head. Because they know the song. That's amazing. That's so good. Love that stuff. Thank you, Lord. Um, and then he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. So after he was crucified and he, and he was died and he was buried, he rose again. And part of the thing that um, Jared's probably going to hit on next week is that um, the Corinthians didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. Or they couldn't figure it out. You know, they were too smart for that maybe. You know, hey, wait a minute, you can't prove that scientifically, so therefore, you know. Like, you know, there, but there's eyewitness testimony. And Paul goes on to say in, uh, in verse 5 and 6, he says, um, he's raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. He appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. You know, every time I read that, I was like, what's Paul talking about, abnormally born? And Jesus is abnormally born? And I was thinking that he was talking about the appearance of Jesus, but he's talking about himself. And he's just saying that he's, he was abnormal. He was born prematurely. Like he had come into the kingdom and got in a premature way. Like God intervened in his life, bam, knocked him off the horse, made him blind, brought him right into the kingdom. Boom, premature. He didn't have the, the luxury of walking with Jesus like the disciples did, like the other apostles did, and yet he's just considered an apostle. So it's pretty interesting that he was grafted in in that nature, in that way. And then so Paul talks about the, there's 500 or so witnesses we're not sure exactly where that is in the scriptures. Some people have some thoughts on that. I don't know. I, I don't know who to believe on that one. It doesn't say, so I'm just not going to go there. You know. But that's what he says. He said that people saw up to 500 people saw him, and and, uh, and and he said some of them are still alive today, so you can actually go and talk to them. You know, hey, Eric saw him. Go over to Eric's house and talk to him. He'll tell you. You know, the sisters saw him the other night. They'll tell you all about it. You know, <laughs> they'll tell you. So Paul says, uh, he goes a little further on to say that he's the least of the disciples. He said, for I am the least, in verse 9, he says, for I am the least of the apostles and not even, do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was, was not without effect. It wasn't vain. His, his, his grace towards Paul was what really was the catalyst for Paul's life. That's what motivated Paul. To, to do things in his life. That's what motivated him to share the gospel. That's what motivated him to go through beatings and floggings and to be dis, probably be disowned by his whole family and friend and network and financial you know organization that had held him up all those years. He had to drop all that stuff 
And, and some of us have similar stories where, our, you know, we tell our family, hey, I'm going to church and I'm born again. And they're like, what? <laughs> you know, oh, that's good for you. Good job. You know, you need that. I'm like, mm, yeah, I need that. We all need that. Come on. <laughs> but I, I do. I need that. It's true. Um, so I got a couple more things for you. Uh, but I'll just finish this, this passage. We're just going to go to verse 11. Um, let's see. Uh, verse 10 says, but, uh, but, the, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. The grace had motivated Paul. He said, he said, no, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with within me. So he's saying that he just went to work. As soon as he got this truth, he's like, boom, I'm going to just, I'm giving my whole life to this. I completely believe it. I'm not holding anything back. I'm calling for it. And that's what we're going to do too, right? Yes. Sounds good. Um, whether then it was I or, or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believe. So again, he's reminding them of, you know, it didn't matter who you heard the gospel from. So some people might say, hey, you know, I heard it from Peter. I got the real story. You know, well, good for you. You know, it's the same story. Nobody's making up different stories here. We're all preaching the same gospel, that two-point gospel, that Jesus Christ died, and on the third day he rose again. Kind of simple. Keeps it nice and simple for him, but he keeps reminding them of it. Um, I got a couple more things for you. Uh, one thing that the Lord was really showing me was uh, uh, kind of the way that uh, in nature how we can see how um, how He's working in our lives. So we know that the Holy Spirit's living inside of us. We know that we're new creations, right? Does everybody agree with that so far? Okay. So this this right here is a piece of corn. it's a kernel of corn, <laughs> and this guy here. I'm not sure if this one's actually uh, one that could be planted, but if you planted this, it would grow into more corn, right? So we have the kingdom of God inside of us in seed form. This seed knows what to do. It has all the genetics. It has all the structure in it to create a corn stalk so that more corn can grow on it. So this little guy here turns into one of these. And on this guy, they usually have what, four to six of these, right? Anybody know anything about corn? I don't really. They got about four to six of these delicious babies on there, and and I had the uh, the girls from the youth group, Sadie and her uh, her friend, counted how many kernels of corn are on here. So out of this one guy, produces about six of these, right? You saw how big it was. I see what's inside of us that's growing. Does anybody get in this picture? This thing is way bigger than we think it is, and it can be as big as we want it to be, or allow it to be. Maybe I should say, as big as we want it to be. We can be completely free. We can be in the field producing corn, having a great time. But there's, I actually had the girls count how many uh, kernels are on here. Now, I already told Eric, so you can't answer this question. How many, got, how many kernels of corn do you think are on this one corn cob? What did you say? What did you say? 504. You just won yourself a ear of corn. <laughs> nice job. That's amazing. You guys are. I, th- I, was, I was thinking 200. I was blown away by 500. So my neighbor uh, had donated the corn. Uh, there's a bunch of corn downstairs. Take some with you. It's delicious this time of year. Um, there's a whole bunch of it. I don't know how many are down there. But take a bunch. Eat it up. Enjoy the corn. And I got one more thing for you guys. What do you do with that paper? I had a stack of paper somewhere. I don't know. It's it's uh it's somewhere. We'll find it. 
It's 12:30. Let's uh, let's uh, let's do this real quick. First of all, I got to give a shout out to. Uh, there's a stack of papers somewhere. Can somebody look look for it? It's just like uh, a bunch of different colors of papers. Nah, I don't know what I did with it. That, there it is. I put it over there so I wouldn't forget where it was. <laughs> I need my corn. If you, Rob, if you don't mind passing out everybody out a piece of paper, and then Mike, can you make sure everybody's got a pen? Just it doesn't matter what color. Pick whatever color you want. Is there stuff written on that? Is there black on? Or is there blank on the back? No. What the heck did I do with that paper? Oh, I know. I bet I put it out here. Hold on. Yeah, I got it. I put it right where nobody would forget it. But I forgot. <laughs> Pass one out. You don't get pink. No, I don't want pink. <laughs> you get red. You get red. You get red. You get white. <laughs> Got a pen already? All right. No, probably not. funny, Eric. So anyways, I got a minute. I'm going to give a shout out to my family in California because this gets recorded on the internet. God bless the internet. <laughs> so Frankie and Jordan and Nevaeh and Judah and Sailor Joy. God bless you guys. I love you. I miss you. Um, I'll see you soon. I can't wait to see you. So anyways, we gotta, we're going to have like four minutes, right? If you take that piece of paper, hey, you know what? I need one too. I'll get one. I'll use this one. Take that piece of paper, draw a line from the top to the bottom lengthwise, something like this. Make it two columns. Thank you, John. On the left-hand column, write one voice. Yeah, one voice. Jared was saying last week that we want to hear from one voice. One voice. And on the other side, you could put to-do list. This is something that um, that I'll do if, if I really need to hear from God or if I just want to put it up on what, he's, what he says. I'll, I'll make uh, two columns on a piece of paper because when I try to hear God's, God's voice, I'm constantly reminded of the stuff that I'm, I'm forgetting to do. So, you know, I have my own contracting business, and my to-do list is just gigantic every day. You know, if I don't, if I forget, like, like on Friday, I forgot a certain kind of screw to bring to a job, you know. It's like, <laughs> but, you know, I'll remember that when I'm trying to hear from Jesus. You know, I'll hear the Satan will be like, hey, about those screws. Don't forget about those screws, you know. <laughs> He's always trying to screw with me, you know. <laughs> that was a good one right there. Come on. That was actually rated G. That was good. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're just going to be quiet for like three, four minutes. And I just want you to listen to the Holy, the voice of the Holy Spirit, and He's going to speak to you. He's going to give you something. It could be something about maybe what you're going through. It could be something, uh, a scripture, whatever it is. But if He's saying, you know, go to the store and get milk, write milk on the right-hand side and get it out of your mind. If He's saying get gas for the car, write gas over here. It doesn't matter which list is bigger. What matters is we learn to decipher whose voice we're listening to. Does that make sense? So we're just going to be quiet for about four minutes. I wholly expect that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you because he told me to do this. So 
That's why, that's why I know he's going to speak to you. And a lot of people say, oh, he, God doesn't speak to me. He does, and he will. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you just come now and speak to your people. You got three minutes, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hear anything? If anybody's got, everybody got something to share, you can come up and share it if you want, or just from your seat, wherever you feel comfortable. I got a couple things on my to-do list, that's for sure. <laughs> I got um, my to-do list. I got a co two couple contracts I got to get done today, so I just put those out of my mind. But I got a couple other things too. Um, uh, I heard the Holy Spirit saying that He said, "I'm unleashing prophecy right now, like right now." meaning literally now, people were getting prophetic words. So um, let's hear them, you know. If you got one, I'm ready. <laughs> you got one, E? So, so during worship, you were speaking or singing in tongues or just speaking in tongues? Just praying in tongues. And you saw the words. What was the words again? I have seen your hurt. Fear not, for I am with you. 
I've seen your heart, but fear not, for I'm with you. So that's for somebody right there. That's a prophetic word. Fear not. That's good. That's a good word. I like that. Thanks for being bold to, to share that. Anybody else got anything you want to share? Go ahead, Lori. What do you got? That's a great word. It doesn't belong there. Well, can you say it again so I can I gotta talk it through the microphone. That stuff that, that stuff isn't from me. That isn't from me. Roll off your shoulders. Roll don't off. Let it, don't attach it to your heart. Let it roll off your shoulders, don't let it attach to your heart. Okay. That's another prophetic word for somebody. What do you got, young lady? Don't just say the truth. What's that? Say the truth. Say the truth. That's a good word. It's a good word. Cool. Awesome. Pray, praying for healing with what? Oh, cool. Pray for your wife for what? For freedom and healing. Yeah, amen. Cool. Oh yeah, second song. Second song was a hit, Pastor Jared. You hear that? It was working. That's great. That's fantastic. What do you got, Mr. Steve? Yeah, that's a good word too. What do you got, Eric? I got the same one. I got the exact same one. It said, it said my spirit loves C.C. Nagy. Yeah. We'll take that. <laughs> That's a good word. Awesome. So, hey, there's this huge box of donuts downstairs. And today is the carb cheat day for most of us. So, before the kids got to Sunday school, we could, we could just pray and end right now and go get some donuts. What do you think? That's a, that's a word, too. <laughs> a good word. All right, so let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that it's doing something in our lives. Lord, that, is, that one kernel is producing many, that it's growing inside of us, that it's becoming huge. We want it to become huge. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to go deeper, go further, Lord. Um, Lord, we're just, uh, sometimes we're reluctant to surrender to you, uh, but right now, Lord, in, in the presence of your spirit, in our brethren, we just... Uh, we surrender to you. We just say, we surrender. Whatever it is that we're holding back, we're not going to do it any longer. We're going to walk with you 100%. We're just going to give it all to you. And we just thank you so much for the way that you love us, for the way that you fill us with your spirit. And we're just really, really thankful people, Lord. And um, thank you for those prophetic words that you dropped on us today, Lord. Help us to, to uh, mull them over, to chew on them, to listen to your spirit. And I pray, Lord, from now on that there would be just a mechanism that we can openly hear what you're saying to us. We thank you that you're always talking to us and that you're just always communicating to us, and we just really want to hear one voice. So we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for your great love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.